help and encouragement and instruction and and um, I was really thinking that maybe it's, it's time for us to move on to something else and he assured me uh, uh, that it's not amen and I think you'll see that as as we um, as we progress into what we're going to look at tonight and and even some answers that I've been looking for that I feel like the Lord gave me and you'll again see um, that as we move forward so let's go back to our cornerstone verse keystone verse for this this study 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9 says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And then right alongside that, 1 John chapter 1, verse 3, that which we have seen and heard we declare to you, that you may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And so much of the Christian world today is talking about a personal relationship with God, but what we see in scripture is much more than a personal relationship it's fellowship with God and we see that you and I were created by God in the image and likeness of God to have fellowship with God amen we see that God the Father God the Son and God the Holy Spirit they are an eternal community dwelling in absolute communion and yet they created you and me to be a part of what they've had going on since um, all eternity past. Amen. And so you're a big deal. I don't know if you know that or not, but you're a very big deal in the eyes of God. He paid a very high price for you. And we've said that you have to understand fellowship to understand so many of the things that we see in the scripture because fellowship provides the context for these things. Now, of late, we've been talking about this positional and functional oneness with God. Positional means being made one with God. Functional oneness means functioning as one with God. It's one thing to have the position. It's another thing to function in that position. We've also said that God has chosen to portray the positional and functional oneness of the fellowship He desires with us in marriage between a husband and wife and in the human body. In marriage between a husband and wife and in the human body. One body, many members. So also is Christ. He's the head of the body, but as a member of the body of Christ, we see that you are one with Him. Husband and wife enter into a covenant before God. God says the two become one. And that marriage covenant creates positional oneness between a husband and a wife, and then they go forth into life together to learn how to function as one. So positional versus functional. Amen. Now, as born-again believers, we are the bride and the body of Christ. And we said that fellowship among the members of the Godhead enable Father, Son, and Spirit to function as one. So they are one, but they function as one. Now, here are a couple of verses that we've also looked at. We're going to dig a little deeper into them. In John chapter 10, verse 30, Jesus says, I and my Father are one. I and my Father are one. Then in John chapter 5 verse 30 Jesus says I can of my own self do nothing I can of my own self do nothing now I know we've read this verse so many times but I want us to just kind of pause for a moment and consider a little more closely what Jesus is saying here and if I could put this in my own words Jesus is saying apart from the positional and functional oneness that I have with my father I'm dead in the water you ever heard that expression dead in the water have you ever been dead in the water? 
I'll never forget many years ago, me and Richard Presswood, we went uh, fishing down, I think, on the Warrior River, and we, we got way down the river, and, and the boat motor quit, and we couldn't get it cranked back, and we were dead in the water. When you're dead in the water, man, you just kind of, you, you paddling, or, or, so eventually a boat came along and, and, uh, and, and gave us a tow, and, uh, and the, the Lord was with us in that. It's a long story I won't go into, but, but Jesus is saying, listen, it's my, it's my oneness with the Father. The Father's in me, I'm in the Father. And it's that fellowship, oneness, that enables me to do what I do. Apart from his positional and functional oneness with his Father, Jesus was dead in the water. This is different now. Listen to me, please. If you remember when Jesus went to his hometown, the Bible says because of their unbelief, he could do no mighty work among them, save that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Well, that's different. See, we see that. It's like, well, surely Jesus could do something. Surely he could do a little bit. Surely he could make some difference in some. No, Jesus is being very uh, direct. He's being very absolute here that the only way he could do anything by way of, of miracle, by way of ministry, by way of, of overthrowing demons and is through his oneness with his Father. So John 14 and 10, Jesus says, Do you not believe the, that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. The Father who dwells in me does the works. Now, it's not enough for us to just see this in the life of Jesus without ever seeing it as the pattern that Jesus established for you and me to understand and follow. So let's look at it a little closer. I've said this for many years from the Scriptures. Everything Jesus did on this earth, He did as a man in right standing with God, full of the Holy Spirit. There are a lot of people who listen. Now listen, this is, some of you have heard this and know this and have already progressed to this level. Others listen to me right now in the room online this is, a, this is a new truth for you, and, and it, it sometimes makes people a little uncomfortable because, you know, we think sometimes uh, opposite to this because we think Jesus did what he did on this earth. He performed miracles on this earth because he's Jesus. He's Jesus. He's the Son of God. Now, the Bible says that he emptied himself of everything that made him God. He humbled himself and came to this earth and took upon himself, not only as a man, he took upon himself the form of a servant, and so again, the scriptures bear it out. Everything Jesus did on this earth, he did as a man in right standing with God, filled with the Holy Spirit. This is a true statement, well supported by scripture. And think about it, if Jesus did what he did because he was the Son of God, as many suppose, why did he have to be anointed by the Holy Spirit? Look at this in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil or by the devil, for what God was with him. God was with him. So, again, I'm not here to expand you know, any further necessarily on this particular point. I'm just mentioning it here because we need it for a baseline to understand some of the other points and some of the other truth that the Holy Spirit is breathing on for you and me this evening. All right? But again, notice that Jesus did not perform a miracle on this earth as a man 
until he was baptized in water and the Holy Spirit descended upon him, anointing him and empowering him to then go about and um, with the Holy Spirit and with power, doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So if, again, think about it, why was this necessary if he's operating as the eternal Son of God on, on the earth? But again, he did what he did as a man in right standing with God, a man in right standing with God, filled, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, this is a true statement, well supported by Scripture, but listen to me now. This is where we're going we're to take it one step further. While this is true, everything Jesus did on this earth, He did as a man in right standing with God, full of the Holy Spirit. It's a true statement, but it's not a complete statement. Because Jesus became a man... Jesus lived in right standing with God. He never sinned. He was anointed by the Holy Spirit. But there was one more critical factor in the success of Jesus' earthly ministry. And that one more critical factor in the success of His earthly ministry was fellowship with His Father. He fellowshiped with His Father. Jesus would make this statement throughout His earthly ministry. He said, I don't do anything unless my Father shows me or tells me to do it. I don't say anything unless my Father tells me to say it. So what Jesus did, He did in response to His Father's instructions. What Jesus said, He said in response to His Father telling Him to say it. So the question then becomes, how did Jesus know what to do and what to say? When was Jesus being shown what to do and when was Jesus being told what to say? He was being shown these things and he was being told these things as he fellowshiped with his father it was that positional and functional oneness that is what again a fancy elaborate way of referring to fellowship that he was given uh, the things to say and to do consider the pattern one with God Christ in us he who is working in us working with us and working through us it's the same pattern of fellowship that Jesus um, established, revealed uh, for you and me uh, by his own actions on this earth as a man. John chapter 17. Turn there with me, verse 20. John chapter 17, verse 20. Jesus says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So now he's talking about you and me that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. These are some of the most powerful uh, scriptures referring to fellowship, what it is, how it works, what it's for, that we find in all the Word of God. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. Look at me real quickly. The glory that Father God gave to Jesus, Jesus says, now I'm giving it to them. See, that's a fellowship principle. A fellowship principle says what belongs to one member in the fellowship belongs to every member in the fellowship. So for us to be called into the same fellowship with God the Father as Jesus the Son, first verse we looked at, right? For that to, to be legitimate, for that to be um, a true fellowship, then anything that was given to Jesus has also now been given to you and me. Now, on the surface, again, that may sound so bizarre and so far-fetched, but do the Scriptures not bear that out? 
The Scripture's not revealed to us that we've become a partaker of His nature, that we've received the same Spirit, that we've been loved with the same love, that we've been given the same glory, that we have the same standing, that we've been given the same inheritance. Heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus. Do I have the right bunch tonight? Are you, are you picking up what I'm putting down? This, this is serious stuff. This is, this is so far, and it saddens me, but this is so far above where so many born-again believers on planet Earth are thinking and looking. But amen, not us. Amen? We're, we're hearing, we're receiving, we're believing, we're stepping up. Amen? We're breaking from the pack. So when he says, the glory which you gave me, I have given them. That's fellowship. That they may be one just as we are one. Again, that's fellowship. I in them... Jesus says, I'm in them. And he says, Father, you're in me. That they may be made complete, perfect, whole in one. That the world may know that you've sent me and have loved them just as you have loved me. So the oneness of fellowship produces the highest level of cooperation. The power of agreement and synergy are byproducts of fellowship. Now, I want to introduce a new term tonight. And and this is, again... Oneness consciousness. I know that's, that's kind of a mouthful, but just stay with me, please. Oneness consciousness. I'm not, I'm not trying to elevate myself. I'm, I'm saying this just to confirm to you and, and, and as a sign for you, okay? There are on occasions, it doesn't happen every night by any means, but there are occasions when I will dream that I am preaching a sermon and that is one of the ways that the Lord has given me things to say to his people um, over the years and last night I dreamed that I was preaching to you tonight about um, this idea of of being conscious of our oneness being aware of our oneness and and I said it different ways in the sermon that I dreamed I was preaching and 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 I, I used the expression a few times um awareness of our oneness oneness awareness awareness of our oneness oneness consciousness amen all right so this is I believe and you search it out in scripture and you see if it bears witness through your spirit but I believe this is exactly what the Lord is wanting me to say to you uh, and to anybody else that's listening uh, tonight or in, in, in the days ahead that will listen online, okay? So oneness consciousness. What do we mean by oneness consciousness? Jesus was aware, he was conscious of his Father dwelling in him. That word dwell, that is a fellowship word. Now, did the Father dwell in Jesus? Yes, he did. And that's, that's significant. That's important. That's what we mean by positional oneness. Jesus said, me and my Father are one. But it's one thing for the Father to dwell in Him. It's another thing for Jesus to be aware of this, to be conscious of this. So Jesus was conscious. Jesus was aware of His Father dwelling in Him. Now watch this, please. Before I go any further, I want to make sure you understand this. It wasn't because Jesus had some funny feeling. We put so much emphasis in modern day Christianity on feeling. We're trying to feel something. We, 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 and listen, I, God created feelings and I love it when we feel the Holy Spirit move. And I'm not saying that that's wrong or bad. But listen to me, you can't live by that. 
Jesus wasn't aware of his father dwelling in him because he could feel him. You know, there are times Bethany, will, you know, she's expecting again and, and, um, and she'll say, Dad, 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 quick, 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 put your hand right here. And, and I'll put my hand right there and I'll feel little uh, Amelia Grace's, I don't know if it's her knee or her shoulder or what it is. Bethany can sometimes tell you. In other words, I can literally feel that baby girl inside Bethany's womb. Well, it's, it's, it's not like, you know, it's like, you know, father's need, father just need me in the kidney. Come on. You know, it's, it wasn't that he was feeling it, but nonetheless, he was aware. How was he aware of something he couldn't feel? By faith. He was aware of it by faith. Amen. And he was aware of his father dwelling in him. So the awareness or consciousness of his oneness with God informed his thoughts, words, and actions. Jesus never lost sight of his oneness with his Father. This is what we mean to to have oneness consciousness. He never lost sight of his oneness with his Father. He refused to think, speak, or act apart from or without consideration of his oneness with his Father. It's important now. This is what we mean by being conscious, by being aware of these things. I've got a whole teaching the Lord gave me a while back. I've, I, I've just sat on it. I've never really understood the right spot to plug it in here. And, and I'll be really brief with this. And it's an odd way of, of, um, of, of explaining it. But when I was younger, I, um, I broke my leg. And I had to learn how to live while in a cast. Right? Crutches and getting up, everything became different, you know. I had, to, I had to learn how to live inside a cast, right? Okay. Well, you see, Jesus is in you. And the same way that Jesus is in you and me, the Father was in Jesus. And Jesus was learning how to allow the Father to live through him. Are you, are you understand what I'm saying here? And, and, he, and, and, and one of the most important things as it relates to our functional oneness. Listen to me, if you've been born again... You're one with God. If you've been born again, you're one with God. That's positional. That's your birthright. That's what happened to you. The old spirit in you was buried. God put a new spirit in you, and and the new spirit he put in you was immediately made one with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit and your born-again spirit have become one together. Amen. The Bible teaches all this. We spent a great deal of time looking at these things already. I'm not going to try to go back and reteach all of that. But I I want you to see, though, that it's one thing for him to dwell in you. It's another thing for you to be aware of him dwelling in you. Remember what Jesus, uh, Jesus, remember what the, well, Jesus was speaking through the apostle Paul. Remember what he said to the Corinthians? He said, do you, do you not know? Do you not know that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit and he dwells in you? Notice how he's saying it. He's like, "Do, do you not know this? Do you not understand this? Are you not aware of this? Are you not conscious of this? So Jesus was aware of his father dwelling in him. This awareness, this consciousness of his oneness with God informed his thoughts, words, and actions. He never lost sight of his oneness with his Father. He refused to think, speak, or act apart from or without consideration of his oneness with the Father. Now, one of our go-to verses now for, I don't know, last year and a half so, Philemon, verse number 6, acknowledge every good thing that's in you. Acknowledge every good thing that's in you. So do you see how Jesus was aware, he was conscious of his oneness with God. 
And obviously, as we talk about our positional and functional oneness with God, we're, we're moving towards that functional oneness. And before we can ever function as one with God, we've got to become conscious of our oneness with Him. Now, watch this. Acknowledge every good thing that's in you. You can't acknowledge what you have no knowledge of. So it begins with knowledge, and, and that's one of the things that we're trying to do tonight. One thing we are doing tonight is, is from the Word of God, present to the body of Christ knowledge of these things. If you don't know, you don't know. And how can you acknowledge something you have no knowledge of? So it begins with knowledge, and the knowledge, of course, comes, the knowledge of God comes from the Word of God. And God begins to reveal to us His truth concerning these things. But it's one thing to have knowledge of it, it's another thing to acknowledge it. When you acknowledge it, it's when you recognize it true about you when you acknowledge it you say okay this is what the word of God says and because the word of God says these things I now acknowledge it's true about me now notice once you have knowledge of it and you acknowledge it now you're in a position to 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 become conscious or to or to live your life on a daily basis with awareness of these things with a consciousness of these things okay now let me let me give you three and I know I'm giving you a lot tonight. I know I'm giving you a lot tonight, but it's on purpose. And, and these things are being recorded. You can, you can go back if you need to. But just let me get all this established. And if the Holy Spirit wants us to go back and, and break some of it down further, we will. But I just I need to get some of this out there tonight. Amen? Are you still with me? Praise God. All right, now watch this. Three very important words. Abiding, abiding, dwelling, and delighting. Okay? I'm going to give you a verse on, on some of these, okay, on each of these. Abiding, dwelling, and delighting in the Lord and His Word are expressions of fellowship with Him. In other words, what does fellowship look like on, on, a, on, a, on a practical level? If you are fellowshipping with God on a daily basis, what are you doing? You're abiding in Him and His Word, you're dwelling in His presence, and you're delighting yourself in Him. Amen. So abiding, dwelling, and delighting in the Lord and His Word are all expressions of fellowship with Him, okay? Now, as we've already established, God is an eternal community. He dwells in absolute communion. We've said that God is love, and in the same way that God is love, God is fellowship. God doesn't, uh, well, let me just put it on the screen. It might be easier. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit do not just have fellowship with one another. They are a fellowship, Amen. I don't know if you've seen the, the movies, uh, I think Tolkien, uh, the, the, the Fellowship of the Rings. You know, and, and, of course, the whole idea is this, this group of people who came together for this purpose of, of, of saving, was it Middle Earth? I've, I've watched them with my son one many years ago, but I don't know the whole story. It's long, long, amazing, but long. Okay. Um, but, again, the idea is, what does Dr. Bill Winston say? Fellowship is two fellows in a ship. And the idea is we're in this together. We're in this together. Okay, so God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit don't just have fellowship with one another. They are a fellowship. See, this is, this is one of the ways that Satan has, has tried to steal fellowship from the body of Christ because we call fellowship today in the body of Christ a potluck dinner uh, on, a, on a Tuesday night. You know, we, we're going to have a church fellowship, and that means we're all going to come and eat one another's food, all right? So, no, no, see, again, listen to me, please. That's like... Well, I'll give you all kinds of examples, but you got it already. Let me just say this. Uh, everybody coming together to enjoy a meal is not fellowship, but it can be. 
Are you with me? In other words, next time we have a fellowship, notice some folks are there for the food. Okay? I mean, they even get over in like a dark corner with like three plates. Which is fine. I'm just, if that's you, I'm just, I don't, I'm not have anybody in mind in particular. Okay? I'm just saying. It's the idea of, of intimacy and dining together and supping together. Remember, Jesus wants to, to, he's knocking on the door of the church to see if anybody wants to go have a pizza with him. He's wanting to enjoy the intimacy of a meal together. And that's the whole idea of, of a fellowship. And our next one will be, if not before, we'll definitely have a big Thanksgiving meal together, uh, the Sunday before Thanksgiving. Um, but again, it's, it, it only gives you the opportunity to abide, dwell, and delight in one another's company. So God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit abide, dwell, and delight with and in one another. All right, let me go back to this one. I, I got ahead of myself. So God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit do not just have fellowship. It's not just something that they have or something that they do, but it's literally something that they are. In other words, if you take fellowship out of the Trinity, you no longer have God. They, they, they are, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are a Trinity. They are uh, a fellowship, okay? So what does that mean in, in light of abiding, dwelling, and delighting? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit abide, dwell, and delight with and in one another. I'm not trying, don't overcomplicate this, okay? They, they abide with one another and they abide in one another. They dwell with one another and they dwell in one another. They delight with one another in other words they enjoy things together and they enjoy one another they delight in one another if god the father delights in jesus the son jesus the son delights in the holy spirit holy spirit delights in the father and the son are you are you following what i'm saying here so in other words when i say that they delight in they find joy in in one another they 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 they, they glorify one another they support one another amen it's 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 the um it's the origin of fellowship, it's, it's, the, it's the standard of fellowship, and it's the example of fellowship, and it is the fellowship that he has, God has invited you and me into, okay? So God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit abide, dwell, and delight with one another and in one another. Now, if you're familiar with the Word of God, you know that there are some tremendous benefits uh, associated with abiding, dwelling, and delighting in the Lord. I'm going to show you it to you in a, in a minute in the scriptures, okay? Tremendous benefits associated with dwelling, abiding, and delighting in the Lord and in His Word, all right? But before I show you that in scripture, I want to, I want to again, fellowship is the context. The benefits of abiding, dwelling, and delighting in the Lord are the benefits of fellowship. They, they, they are... The, the fruit produced the good things that come out of our fellowship with the Father. So let's go back to a verse we've already looked at, John 14, 10, last part. Jesus said, the Father who, there's that word again, dwells in me, does the works. The Father who dwells in me does the works. Okay, let's go through a few more of these. John 15, 7. Anybody ever memorize this one? Jesus speaking, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, what's the benefit? Ask what you desire and it'll be done for you. It'll be done for you. 
Now, I want to make sure I say this correctly, all right? There's no such thing as abiding in Him and Him abiding in you apart from fellowship with Him. It's kind of back to we try to make everything out to be a principle or a discipline, and we try to figure out how we can work the principle and the discipline to get the benefit without understanding the spirit or the heart behind it. In other words, God, you abiding in Jesus and Jesus abiding in you and his words abiding in you, all that is fellowship. And within the context of fellowship, he says, ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. How about this one out of the Old Testament, Psalm 91.1. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Of course, he's talking about, among other things, provision and protection here. But dwelling, again, and all the benefits that come from dwelling in that secret place are not just the benefits of dwelling, but dwelling being an extension of, an expression of, the bigger picture, which is fellowship with God. How about this one? One of my favorites, Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. Now, for the born-again believer, listen very carefully to this now. For the born-again believer, abiding, dwelling, and delighting are positional. In other words, those things in the most important sense of the word have become a state of being. Do you understand what I mean by that? In in other words, spiritually, the real you is a born-again spirit, right? You've been made one with God. You you are one with Him and He's one with you. You're in Him and He's in you. And Jesus said when He comes to live in you, He'll be in you forever. And what He's done in you, he, He sealed it with the Holy Spirit. And when something is sealed, that means the good that's sealed in can't get out and the bad that's on the outside can't get in. That's why when it comes to your born-again spirit, the evil one can't touch it. So on that level, this is one, one of the areas where it changes. When I say changes, it's different in the New Testament because in the Old Testament, the abiding and the dwelling required o- obedience. And I know some of you go, ah. no, listen to me, please, just hear me out. It was, it was something that could only be accomplished through um, through works and, and, and through uh, performance and through o- obeying the law. And so remember, if you obeyed all the commandments, you were blessed, but if you broke one of them, you were cursed. God did, it wasn't graded on the curve. It wasn't like, well, you know, eight out of ten, that's pretty good. We'll, we'll let you slide. No. Okay? And again, he was trying to teach us that we couldn't do it without him. And, and we should stop trying. Because it's not about obedience, it's about fellowship and love. And I know, I'm not making excuses, listen to me please. Your obedience is very important. Your obedience is very important. But obedience without, without fellowship with God, you understand what I'm saying? He's not interested in, let's go back to it, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. So there's a lot of people who are obedient, they're trying their best to obey God, but their heart's somewhere else means nothing to God. It's self-righteousness. It's his filthy rags. His heart for you is, come to me, all you labor and heavy laden, 
and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen. Now, again, for the born-again believer, abiding, dwelling, and delighting are positional. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Are you you with me? In other words, there's a part of you that's continually crying out, Abba, Father. That spirit of adoption that's sealed inside your born-again spirit is rejoicing in God. It's, it's delighting in Him. It believes every word He's ever said, ready to go raise the dead and move mountains. I mean, it's just sitting on G, waiting on O. Okay? So, I'll be with you always, even at the end of the way. I mean, there's verse after verse after verse. Abiding, dwelling, and delighting are positional for the born-again believer and have become a state of being. But watch this now. Will only be experienced and enjoyed to the degree we are oneness aware. To the degree that we are oneness aware. So it's one thing to positionally abide, dwell, and delight, but it's another thing to be positionally aware. In other words, for oneness aware, rather, of the position that we have. Let's stay with me for a minute. Let me give you three. I feel myself getting rushed here. I have an ambitious set of notes. We'll probably land it right here and just pick it up next week. Can you come back? Okay. The first two on this list of three are ones that you've heard me teach on more than likely or talk about before, okay? The first one is this idea of sin consciousness, okay? The second one is righteousness consciousness, and then the third one is oneness consciousness. Now, I could have made the list more extensive and put after sin consciousness, self-consciousness. Because we see that when Adam and Eve sinned, they became aware of their sin. They became sin conscious and then immediately became self-conscious. I'm naked. Okay? So sin consciousness self-consciousness. But now, for the born-again believer, the Bible says the blood of Jesus purges our very consciousness of sin. Come on now. The consciousness of sin. To where we shift from living our lives every day aware of our sin, aware of the sin that we committed, aware of the mistakes that we've made, aware of our weakness, aware of our failure, aware of our brokenness, aware of all these things that you hear religion just go on and on and on and about, right? And religion will have you rehearse all of that and call it a testimony. Okay? But what is Jesus looking for in his people? He's looking for a group of people who are not aware of the sin that they have been set free from, but aware or conscious of the righteousness that they have now been made. So we've we've got to go from being... uh, People who are sin conscious, aware of our sin. That's what the devil wants you. He wants you to constantly be aware of your sin. To where we are now. Remember what Paul said? He he said, before God I've wronged no man. And you think, well, wait a second. 
did you not hold the coats and oversee the stoning of Stephen? I bet Stephen's um, family would disagree with you there, uh, Paul. See, what is he? He's, he knows that the man who was a part of that no longer exists. He's a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. As a matter of fact, he even said that if, if he sinned, it wasn't him that did it. That's not denial. That's truth. See, this is a man who's become, this is a man who's become aware of his... What does that mean? That means the righteousness that he has been made is informing his thoughts, his words, and his actions. He sees himself as the man that God made him the day he made him a new creation. So this is righteousness consciousness. But then we have this next level, and that's oneness consciousness. Far too many of God's children continue to live with a sin consciousness despite having been forgiven and made free from sin. It's one thing to be made righteous. It's another thing altogether to live with a righteousness consciousness. Romans 5, 17. Now this is the tie-in from where we left off last week. Last week we talked about how as the body of Christ, all things under the feet, Jesus will rule until all things are put under His feet. But the feet are, are on the body. Remember, they the lowest part of the body. So He's not saying until all the enemies are beneath His chin. That would be beneath Jesus the head. He's saying until they're all beneath you and me, the body of Christ. So we're talking about victory. We're talking about ruling and reigning in life. So notice here in Romans 5, 17. For by one man's offense, talking about Adam, death reigned through the one. Much more. Somebody say much more. Much more. Not just barely, not just a little bit, but much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness, what will they do? They will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Now, he's saying here that being made righteous receiving this abundance of grace and this gift of righteousness, same right standing before God the Father as Jesus. You still with me? Can you stay with me just a minute or two longer? Same right standing that Jesus has and enjoys with God the Father. We now have been made. We have been given. We've been made this. And he says, because we've received this abundance of grace and this gift of righteousness, what will we do? We will rule and reign in life through the one Christ Jesus. Restored back to where Adam originally uh, stood and fell from. A place of dominion. But now watch it. Watch this, okay? If all it took to rule and reign in life was being made righteous, things would be a lot more different in the daily lives of millions of God's people. So what am I saying? I'm saying you must be made righteous and then have a righteousness consciousness to rule and reign in life. Just being made righteous, positional. Righteousness consciousness, functional. If you're going to function as one who has dominion over your domain, it's going to require... Number one, being made righteous. Number two, having a righteousness consciousness. Watch this. A righteous man living with a sin consciousness will not rule and reign in life, even though he has the wherewithal to do it. Now, why are we saying all this? Because the same is true with oneness. The same is true with oneness. 
We've been made one with God, but without a oneness consciousness, we will experience very little of the joy, delight, and victory that belongs to us. Amen. Stand with me tonight. Praise God, I'm out of time. Are you getting anything out of this? Man, I just thought I was just going to give it to you just like the Lord gave it to me and just like He showed me. And, and um, I'm really, really excited about getting into this next section with you, okay? And, and this just, again, I believe this came straight from the Lord. Dominion through fellowship. Dominion through fellowship. See, we, we think of fellowship as, as a party, you know, as a celebration. And it is, don't misunderstand me. But what we originally see is that this was the plan of God. This, this was the original plan of God was for you and for me to have dominion over our domain through fellowship with God. Dominion through fellowship. Okay? Amen? Now, Father, as we stand before you tonight, we ask you to give to each one of us a righteousness consciousness, Father, an awareness of our righteousness. Because apart from an awareness of our righteousness, there's nothing in our hearts to support the awareness of our oneness. To have a oneness consciousness, Father, we must first have a righteousness consciousness. We've got to know that we're right with you. We've got to know that all the sin that separated us from you has been dealt with and is no longer an issue, is no longer a factor, has been removed from us as far as the east is from the west, never to be held against us again, never to separate us from you again. And Lord, it's only upon that foundation of righteousness that you can lay this foundational understanding of oneness. And so, Father, we ask you tonight to help us take that next step. Lord, if, if people listening to me now have been struggling with a sin consciousness, Father, I thank you that we're leaving that behind us and we're moving on. We're moving on. We're not laying again those foundation from dead works, those old things from the Old Testament, Father. But, Lord, this, this new approach, this new truth, this new wisdom, this new way. Father, our righteousness, consciousness, Father. Lord, for those who listen to me right now that, that are well on their way to having a righteousness, consciousness, Lord, informing the way they think and, and speak and act, then, Father, we're, we're moving into the next level then of oneness, consciousness. Oneness, consciousness, Father where we are aware of our oneness with you. Father, that we are aware when we speak, it's you speaking. When we act, it's you acting. When we lay our hands on someone who needs ministry or healing or breakthrough or deliverance, Father, that it's not just our empty hand being laid on somebody's empty head, but, Father, it's you in us doing the work through us just like you were in Jesus doing the work through him. Father, may we let our light so shine before men this week that they see our good works and glorify you in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Thank you for your faithfulness, for your diligence, for leaning in and embracing the truth. We will get into this in greater detail next week. Until then, you be blessed.